welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is titled The Motions. It is from the album Audio Drag for Ego Slobs, and it is by Gustav. And my guest today is Lydia Gamel, the singer front person for the band. And this is our part two. I recorded this with her many moons ago. Uh, we had a great long conversation, and I, the part two lived for a long time on my Patreon, but I'm releasing it now to everybody in the world. It's a great conversation. I actually get into some personal stuff uh, about my world and comedy and my history in comedy, and that's kind of a kind of a change of pace. I try not to talk too much about myself. But uh, Gustav is a great band. This album I obsessively listened to, and uh, you're probably saying to yourself, hey, Dwyer, I noticed lately you've released a lot of Patreon stuff. Well, I'm doing that for two reasons. One, uh, I've been sick with COVID. <laughs> and two, while I'm sick with COVID, I'm moving and packing and preparing to move cross-country back to the Midwest. So I'm kind of between being sick and, uh, you know, I'm kind of kind of been kind of been fucked. But also, I want you to see how great my Patreon is. And these are the at last couple episodes could have been stuff you've already listened to and enjoyed and supported my podcast through Patreon. And you could become a Patreon subscriber at themattdwyer.com. All things Matt Dwyer are there, as well as go to the show notes. The link is there. And speaking of the show notes, all links to things Gustav and Lydia Gamel are in the show notes. And I'm linking the first episode in there too, the first episode I did with Lydia, because it's great. And I really, really, really enjoyed talking with her. And I hope I get to do it again. She's groovy. Felt Kind of felt like we, you know, could have been pals at some point in the world. But maybe not, because maybe I am not appealing to hang out with in person. Um, I think that's it for my show notes. I'm going to keep it short. Uh, lots of new episodes coming up. As you listen to this, I will already be in the state of Minnesota and recording new episodes and preparing for a whole new world of conversations with Dwyer. Thank you very much for listening, and please enjoy this conversation with Lydia Gamble of Gustav. Yeah, I have friends who are successful and they they don't enjoy it and they don't take they don't appreciate it and I'm like you don't know what you have, man. How many people want to be where you are and you're like yeah. uh, I'm like I if I was like in that position, the position I dreamed of, but I probably would be dead, let's be honest. <laughs> oh no. I have really enjoyed cocaine. But like I but like now if I was there, I'd be like I would enjoy every second of it because it's just like, this is a life. And I've already had a life that most people don't have. Like I've had yeah. an absurd life. I smoked. You Dan say that you, what you see? Yeah. You smoked, you smoked dance. Uh, uh, oh, oh God, Dan Aykroyd's weed. Yeah. Oh boy. I got a lot of stories I could tell you in general from my, uh -huh. I started hanging around second city when I was 15. Wow. So I, was, that's yeah, I was there for a lot of people and I left when I was 30. 
Wow. I'm old, Lydia. I know you look at me and you're like, you look so good. How do you you do? do? (laughs) I'm I'm 54 in November. No way. Get at it. You don't look 54. I don't know what looking any age is anymore, but you really don't. I don't either. I know my... My hands when I wake up feel 54. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The aging, it happens in your hands. I've been, I've also been noticing that it's like, you know, we're not that like, you know, I'm totally decaying. We all are. Uh, but it's like realizing that my hands are getting older. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> aye, 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 aye. Um, I think that, I think that covers it. I mean, I try to keep it pretty loose, but I want, if you did, is there anything you wanted to ask me about the Matt Walsh? Oh my gosh, Matt. Well, for, for I bet, did you, have you been following his career? Did you watch beep and stuff like that? Or no, we, I mean, we're, if we see each other, we're friendly, but we sort of lost touch once he moved here. Interesting. Is it like, and it's like, Just do you not have an interest to like watch any of the things that he's doing or oh, is it weird? Really, yeah. Or, yeah. I don't really, I, 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 I didn't really like get. I couldn't get on board with Veep. Nothing against it. It just wasn't. I know. Did I just? I enjoyed it. it. No, no, no. I liked Veep. Most people did, and and yeah. like, I, I just I I've like slowly grown not to enjoy watching things. Yeah. Not that oh, fair the, enough. That's, that's the good. Wrong no, way that's healthier. I think I'm just like more interested in at a phase in my life where I'm more interested in just reading before bed and. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get there. Because every time I read, too, my brain's like, yes, I like this. More of this. <laughs> and, like, I feel like I feel so self-important when I'm reading. I'm like, mm. um, But then I, uh, you know, I've been, I've lost my way to the modern distractions of this technological world. Um, yeah. I've gotten, I've grown very impatient with, like, the only things I didn't grow impatient watching was the Paul Newman, Joanne Woodward docuseries, which was incredible. Oh, I have to check that out. Paul Newman, we call we call those charity cookies, or you know his uh, his fooding brand. We love we love the cookies, and we even more because all the money goes to charity. Like uh, fucking five hundred million, something insane over the like yeah. probably more. But like he, he, just he and his his wife partner person are just fascinating, and like and then I watched the Warhol Diaries, which was also nice. What type of books do you like to read? I tend to read. Nonfiction. Yes, uh, like a, for a narrative, like or autobiographical, or like just about stuff uh, that's. I like bi- biographies and memoirs. The one that yeah. I read that was incredible, and I knew I've been trying to pick figures that I I'm like I should know more about. Like I read a Duke Ellington, a Charles Mingus, uh, Dean Martin, and now I'm reading a Louis Armstrong. Oh wow, that's great! Um, I yeah, I love. Uh, with reading too, I, I realize I'm like, yeah, something about autobiographies, biographies, those are, I enjoy those. But I'm feeling the pull maybe to do something more, uh, I don't know, uh, philosophical or something. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I need to figure some shit out and I feel like time and life is, is very strange right now. And I feel like with climate <laughs> specifically, yeah. like, I'm just like, I don't know what time, what we have. Not to sound grim or dark. Oh, well, I mean, that's, again, the whole contract of being a human being is that we're going to be born and we're going to die. And if you look at all the species around, like environmentalism, yes, bad. And I do my best to like make the place that we're living in as good as possible. But in the end, 
it's just an act of self-preservation because we care about being human species. The earth is going to be fine. We could detonate the earth. Like it's, it's really just for us. And I think that's a good, important motivating factor. And you have children. um, So that's, you know, you don't necessarily want them to have to hold hands and watch the earth burn (laughs) all together in a meteor. Like like that's That's why I had a second so they could hold hands and die together. Exactly. I mean, it's like, it's exactly when people like ask me about having kids too. I'm kind of like, why? So yeah, they can like watch the asteroid hit us. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, uh, it's, it's a complex, like these, these are things people don't, when you have kids or when you are about to have kids that the people don't address. Like, cause I would, yeah. I would say to my friends, I'm like, I'm afraid to be a, to do this, we didn't plan the first one. It mm-hmm. was it was a soaking tub in San Francisco and a lot of liquor. I'll be honest with oh, you. Oh yeah, well, don't worry. I didn't I didn't plan my first pregnancy either. So, uh. <laughs> but I like it's it's terrifying, and it is like that's a thought I have every day. And I'm like, but people, no one will address it, and I'm like, that's weird. We should yeah. address that fucking Western thought in my head. Like we don't I, like I just to address the, death. The, oh, the fact, yes. We do and we don't. Well, because, I mean, we're all going to die. Uh, sometimes teen, when I'm, it's funny, uh, teen will say that a lot too. She'll be like, we're literally all going to die someday, which is especially if I'm being like, I don't know, um, self-conscious about something. Uh, she'll just be like, we're all going to die. Like, it really doesn't matter. Um, which I think is kind of freeing. I think it's, but yeah, it's scary because I don't know. I don't like roller coasters. It's like you're on the incline, but like once you, but once you're there and you're going down the hill, once you're dying, you're dead. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so technically, we shouldn't fear it so much because once it happens, I mean that's it. You know, I don't know. I, I but I also I, I I go in between. But I'm saying this now. I think there are times when I definitely you know. I'm fearing it too. And when you think about it, sort of like coming closer, part of me also, do you want to know when, when you die or like, how would you want to die in a way that would have some sort of lead up to it? I don't want to, I mean, obviously I don't want to suffer and linger. And that's more of like the concern with the environment for my kids. It's like, I just don't want my kids to suffer. And like the, yeah, potentially we are headed to, if we don't reverse climate change, we're, headed to some fucking grim shit <laughs> it's like like a food drought and all that type of and that's terrifying yeah i mean we yeah. could see that like we might live mm-hmm. through that um yeah yeah have you ever like thought you were gonna die or had a close call where you're like oh fuck this is it um there have been a couple of there was a car that almost T-boned us in LA when we were being driven by an Uber, but I don't necessarily know if I was like, okay, I was going to die. For some reason you say that in my mind, I'm like, well, yes, of course. But like thinking of like actual instances, you know, I've been on some questionable planes before. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Have you? I've been hit by two cars, not to brag. Wow. And I th- there was a brief period where I had to get a head scan where I thought maybe I had 
I, I had a bad dentist who was like, ooh, that doesn't like, and he said things he shouldn't say. And I was like, I have brain cancer mm-hmm. for like a week yeah. until I got a bigger. But the car thing was weird because like there's that moment where I was on a scooter, motor scooter, and you see it coming and you're like, it's like this weird zen. Yeah, absolutely. You're not like necessarily terrified, but you're like, what is like, it's just this, I, it's, I don't even know if I can. It's just kind of like, here we go. Cause you don't have any control anymore. Like if it's going to happen, I mean, ding, ding, time's up, pencils down. Like, okay. But like, isn't that in that moment where it's, it is pure mm-hmm. kind of a Zen where you're just like, you give in. Cause you're like, it's life or death. Yeah. I don't know which, isn't that sort of where we should be? Like a, yeah. if you were in a Zen sort of, master like that openness to accepting whatever is coming and being like i can't do anything that's exactly and i think that's also to be said too about like moments of like really bad suffering or at least you know like i can't say that like you know um yeah they're just what i feel like too when things have gotten really bad in my life you do feel yourself kind of go limp in an interesting way too where you sort of stop caring and that can also be freeing in a way so not that I'm hoping for, so, but I, so I do feel like, again, our brains are equipped to handle things in a way that will protect us when at least thinking about potential bad future suffering, it's like you're alive until you're dead. So it's, it's possible, yeah, the world could be a terrible, fiery, <laughs> awful mess in the future, but also, like, um, I, you know, it's like we're going to live through it until we don't. And there's nothing else beyond that fact. Is that that's just all, like, yeah, that's all that's all there is. It's just like, we're breathing until we're not. And like, and you can feel like, uh, yeah. And I think sometimes too, like if things are like kind of bad, but not really, really bad, it's easy sort of to kind of wallow in this, um, wallow in a state of like discontent in a way that kind of like actually makes your reality a little bit worse. But then sometimes you get plunged even further and you're like, Oh, I didn't know I could this low. And then if anything, <laughs> please find yourself a little bit more <laughs> content with life. Cause you're like, haha, things are really bad now. Um, uh, and, and in a way that is kind of freeing, not that like, I'm, it sounds like I'm wishing this for your children, which I am not. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, we don't know what the future holds and there's only so much we can control. And so you got to focus on the things you can control while you're alive yeah, and then someday you won't be alive and we don't necessarily know when or how that'll, that'll happen, but we know it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. That's what I'm trying. I think that's why I'm reading more. I'm trying to remind myself I'm not a Zen master, but I'm like every day I'm like, okay, enjoy mm-hmm. your kids. Give them even, cause sometimes kids talk at you and you're like, well, this is yeah. tedious, but, <laughs> but it's important to, for them, for me to listen and not, like so i'm just like trying to yeah. enjoy every possible moment and remind myself like this is it this is what's important the rest of it's bullshit your ego is bullshit and your career is bullshit yeah i mean it's what you have to do for to put food on the table but like it's not 
like it was when I was 25 or seven, where I was like, I got to fucking do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we were born just to kill time. You know, like that's, that's what we've been given is like an allotted amount of time in a human body existing in the world that we're existing in. So whatever it is that like helps you make the most of that time, like just for your own enjoyment is I think a okay. And it's very easy. It's very easy to like make ourselves suffer, but, um, and it's hard to sometimes like zone out. Like I procrastinate a lot and then I'm kind of like, okay, this is like time that I could technically like, you know, don't waste your break. You know, it's like, if I'm not doing something right now that I think I should be doing me sitting here, worrying about me not doing something is like it's wasting two times the same time you know i don't know yeah do you subscribe to any sort of you're like i meditate i do oh i do oh yeah i meditate um get more i've I've been meditating a lot uh gustav we like to do some like manifesting magic which even if it's uh which is like i think just good in terms of like writing something down that you um and like part of manifesting or whatever scripting is like you write about what you want as if you already have it. And what's fun too, is like, I've seen things that I've written, like, like the more you do it too, the more you sit down to like write down your sort of gratitude. A lot of it is more and more stuff that you have. It's like, it's like, you're not even just like doing hypothetical, like I am so happy and like, you know, or whatever. It's like, you realize, (laughs) um, like you're like oh it it all become like i don't know it becomes sort of like self-affirming and like the placebo effect i think is really important or like interesting too it's like uh, a lot of cool stuff have been done which is like how someone's mindset can like affect affect actual sort of physical things in their body so um uh yeah so i like to meditate and um and you know acknowledge and like revel and like what, what I like and what I want. And it's the same thing. Like, I think in, like, when I was talking about like in high school, it's like, Oh, I'm not allowed to write songs. And like, sometimes like, or I've listened and I don't listen to many positive affirmations anymore, but I have before I should get back on it. And sometimes when you first hear the positive affirmations, it's like, I can't think that about myself. Um, but then realizing that like, yes, you can. And you, and you should think that about yourself. Like, you know, like, uh, like you're like that can't be true but like it it can be true you know uh, uh you gotta just give yourself that grace yeah do you what sort of do you have a specific school of meditation that you follow or do you like i have oh no I, tara does tm and she taught me tm a while back and then mel also for my 30th birthday got me a headspace subscription mm noted uh and now and so i did that for a while i did some courses in that and i also teen and i also did like a meditation course together but now i just kind of freestyle it um you know check in with my body and then um it depends sort of what phase phase i'm in and yeah and now I'll just kind of listen to silence and sometimes i guess see what see what i want to do it's you you went to a school meditation meditation or oh i've tried to like i've i took a tm class last year because i just because of creative people i know yeah maybe there's something to it Uh, Mm -hmm. but then i've also done like i went to there was a shambhala which is a buddhist thing near the temple 
near my old place and I would go there. So I hodgepodge it together, like whatever. And it is sort of like whatever works in that moment. Cause TM has yeah. the, the mantra, which works sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I, I would like to try more with mantras. Cause I just think they're very interesting. And like a lot of Gustav stuff is like mantra based. I don't know. I think, it's really cool to like say something over and over again and watch how it like sort of changes and evolves. I used um, to chant. That was another thing. That's how I really yeah. started was which is a part from a Buddhist poem. Nigerian. Wow. Buddhist poem. Cool. Nigerian. Yeah. I'd love. Yeah, oh, I was just gonna say Nigerian Buddhism believes that you can reach enlightenment in your lifetime. Yeah. Which I so think you, you can. I think this is my thought recently, and I'm sure somebody else thought of it. But I believe that the concept of reincarnation isn't literal, like life, you die and then you become a fucking pheasant or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we have we die and have different lifetimes within our lifetime. Because if I look at who I was in my 20s, 30s, 40s, blah, 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 now... Those people are dead. I don't know who some of the... I don't recognize yeah. certain portions of who I am. And I think before we die, most of us might have... Like that, what we talked about when the car's coming at you, you go, oh, so maybe there's that realization and then you're nothing or you're the universe yeah. again or whatever. Or a pair of Tom McCann shoes. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I was I was raised going to church on Sundays, but like, you know, my parents, they're intellectuals. And I think it was more for them, like, you know, like a structure in a community type thing. And um, recently I asked my dad, I was like, okay, well, so like how much of this, like, do you actually believe? And he, who has like a lot of advanced degrees in math says, well, I believe in the concept of infinity. And therefore that means anything is possible. So like, you know, certain things seem more probable or more likely to me, but like nothing's off the table because I'm someone who believes in the concept of infinity. And I thought that was an interesting way to like That's contextualize whatever. I'm like, Oh, that is true. If you will- I've been following this guy on Instagram who does, it's called the daily Stoics or daily Stoic. Mm-hmm. And he reads like, or quotes the Stoics every day. And I didn't know shit about the Stoics. I know some of the names like Marcus Aurelius. I think I, I think, I, yeah. read. I think I had to read that book in college, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's much better when it's put in a quote, but like all of the quotes is I'm like, and it's, I think it's, it's 500 years before Christ, some of them, but I'm like, a lot of these quotes are just right there with Buddhism and like all the other, it's just wild but they're just dudes. They didn't claim to be enlightened or God. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, well, that's, you know, that's what the transcendentalists were saying, you know, your Emerson's and your Thoreau's It's like, yeah, Jesus is just the first guy who got it right. It's like divines in me and the divines in you. And I think it is interesting too. If you look at like all the different religions and methods of like spirituality, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of overlapping content And I do think it speaks to like, again, our human design in a way. It's like, I I don't really care if it's all bullshit, but it's like something that like our brains have a proclivity to do. And so it's probably inherently tied to our survival or contextualization of something. So like, even if that's the only function that this is serving, like it's not necessarily like a waste of time and like whatever, again, yeah, helps helps you enjoy the day, whether it's being like, it's all bullshit. God doesn't exist, blah, 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 blah. Meditation, meditation. Or if it's like, (laughs) or if it's leaning into that, I think that's like the whole point is just to, 
I don't know. It's an interesting thing again to have been and, and to look at sort of philosophical stuff before a certain point in evolution and like after certain technological advances, it's like, I don't know. I do think about like, Oh yeah. Back in the day, people had like a lot of less stuff to do. So they probably had more time (laughs) using with themselves, you know, and you can really stumble upon some good, good thoughts back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I saw how much water you've drank, so I should probably let you go. (laughs) Oh, thanks for chatting. Sorry. I really went off a lot. long thing. I would keep talking. I would totally keep talking. I have enjoyed this greatly. I, I, I hope I hope we got some good stuff in there. I, 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 <laughs> oh, lots of great stuff. I wanted to ask you if I may use a song because I yeah use a song to uh, play in the show, as you may have noticed, and that way I can. But I again, sure. I just uh, have to quote a Hale Hartley movie. I respect and admire you, which is more than love. For love is insecure. But <laughs> but I just thank you so much. Really love what you do. And like, I just, I don't know. It, it's, it's so rare that, or not rare, but like when something really just hits you and there's something, it, you, you hit me. Like it just, I'm just like, fuck, I love this. I love this so much and I want to share it with everybody. So it was really quite the privilege and honor to get to speak with you. Thank you. I hope there's more where that came from, you know? Um, but you know, I, it's, it's great. And you're out in LA or. Yeah, but we're going to, we're, we're back in this town. And you're back. Where, are you, where are you going to? We're, we're going to move to Minneapolis, I think. <gasps> wow. Fun. Cold. Yeah. Prince. I, but Minneapolis is cool. Yeah. There's a lot of theater. I have a couple friends there. Um, none who can help me get work. But yeah. band what, do you, what do you, do you mostly work in music or? No. Or sort production of. Or? I don't know. I write. I've been, I don't know. My life is so fucking weird. I do you know the TV show Painting with John? Yes. Wait. uh, Maybe. Yes. Hold on. Um. Mm -hmm. But I, because of the podcast that happened, the TV show I helped get the show sold to HBO because John Lurie did my podcast. So that's been a good chunk of my income for coming up on three seasons. Uh, And I've. It was one of those like yeah. Yeah. lucky. How the fuck did this happen? Things. I don't know. If you haven't listened to John Lurie's music, I think you would dig him, especially his project Marvin Pontiac, which is he was kind of hesitant to sing. He did like jazz mm-hmm. shit before that, not shit. Uh, and he's in like some Jim Jarmusch movies. You probably saw Down by. Oh, Law. cool! Did you see Stranger Than Paradise or Down by Law? He's in those, and he's in a bunch of. He's like maybe he's like this guy who's like did music. He was part of the '80s art scene in New York. Nice. Basquiat was his good buddy. I'm digging this career trajectory. Yeah, cool and guy. Then <laughs> he did this great, amazing music, and then he, he got sick and he couldn't paint or he couldn't act or play music anymore. So he, mm-hmm. he focused on painting, and like he makes these amazing fucking paintings. And his TV wow. show is him painting and telling weird stories about like Basquiat or Bourdain and weird little. You would love it. I think you would. Really uh, yeah, I got, I, I'm writing it down. But yeah, uh, and then this makes a podcast makes a little money. I don't have a. I don't like make it. Like I'm not like itching to have advertisement because I. Yeah. It seems wrong. <laughs> it's not something I'm. If it was like something cool, I guess I would. Yeah. 
And then like I'll work on write for comedians or produce something here and there. But uh, I'm hoping to move to Minneapolis and do public radio, something in music there. I'm like, I would be cut. I, this is something I'm not public with, but I produced, just produced a record with sub pop for, for congratulations. Well, it's for climate change. I didn't make any money off of it, which is Mm -hmm. the ring, but like I did that and I'm hoping that makes me more enticing to public radio. Wow. I want to do more music. Like I've done comedy and all that stuff. I want, Mm -hmm. obviously I've, focused the last few years of my life really on music so i'm hoping i can transition i mean that's all yeah absolutely there's time for everything and what's fun too is like even just listening to john leary's career trajectory is like hey yeah you know life comes in segments and there's always you know i don't know new things to follow and that's exciting he has a memoir that's incredible that's one of oh, my yeah? favorite. Yeah, his, I forget what it's called. It's something, something the bones. His memoir and the Dean Martin biography called Dino, because I didn't know anything about Dino. I just always thought he was yeah. like, like Sinatra's <laughs> lackey or something. He, yeah. the dude is just did not give a fuck about anything, and it's astounding. <laughs> it's like he thought Sinatra was a dope. He thought the Rat Pack was a joke. Like it was just all this shit. You're just like, and he just didn't give a fuck. That's awesome. And he popped a lot of pills and drank a lot of liquor and slept his way across the country. (laughs) People's physical stamina for like that type of stuff back in the day. I'm like, I don't know how those, those showbiz cats did it. Um, Cause you know, I get, I get fatigued if I have like a glass of wine at a show. I'm like, Oh no. I know. Like every day or like every day too. Yeah. And like keeping your voice in shape. It's like, I have to, I don't know. It's like, there's a lot of stuff that I have to do to like, make sure my body is ready to have like a good time every night on tour. And I'm like, how were these rock stars doing all that stuff? And not, you know, I could kind of do it in my early twenties. Cause I toured for, and yeah. but like I would tour for two weeks. And then after that, I'd be like, my brain would be mush mm-hmm. cause I drank every night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. What was what your I, band or it was mm-hmm. second city. I did the touring company. Oh, second city. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. What fun. It was Intrigue. fun. And I, Toured with some of my best friends and drinking buddies. That's because it's a whole group of people too. It's not, sometimes a band can be a little too tight. Like we've like it's fun. Or like the tour we did with Idols, which was nice because it was like a separate group of people that we could sort of see every day. But it kind of felt like summer camp and like Second City. <laughs> I can imagine that too. It's nice because it's like a little bit bigger than a band, so it sort of feels like you know you're in this like fun liminal sort of space. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. And I was like 21 when they hired me. And that was just like, yeah. probably sort of mentally not prepared, but also prepared. Like, I, I think the talent was there, but my brain wasn't fully there. Yeah. But it was, that's what I want to ask you, who you, some of your teachers were. Cause I'm bet you, I, we, I bet you, we know some of the same people. Oh Pat my McCartney? gosh. Did you have Pat McCartney at Pitt? No. Oh no, I don't think so. Oh, I have to. Teachers' oh, names. Oh, Nate Starkey. Yeah, Nate Starkey. Nate Starkey oh, was one of my favorite teachers. And I saw him on the train one day, like years later. Um, and like, I think he went to say hi, but then like kind of missed his eye. And I never got a chance to say hi to Nate Starkey on the train. I don't. But, I was at UCB in New York. I lived there right a little before 9-11. And then I moved back after 9-11. So I was around like John Daly and... Uh, oh my gosh. What's his name? Brett. I, Brett Gelman. 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 I, which I didn't know this. I taught him in a Second City high school class. 
Wow. And then we met in New York and he was like, you were my teacher. And I was like, sorry, I don't remember you, but. That's so funny. Yeah. Brett Gelman and Johnny, they were sort of on their way out before I came in. Like, oh, what's his name? Uh, Neil was like the real big star of, um, of the UCB when I was there. Uh, Did you vibe with the joint? Like, I know, like, I, I, I think I, weird and culty and clickish. Yeah. Like I said, they were like, it's like kind of like sort of like, you know, group dating in a way. It's like, <laughs> there are always kind of some people in the class where you're like, okay, I think we get each other. Yes. Um, and so I, and I had a practice group for a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so like it can kind of be like that, but like I also like never again like fully immersed myself in the culture. Like I wasn't going to a lot of shows or sort of like hanging out there because I was sort of already doing that in the music space. So, um, and but like it is funny like how many people I met through improv that I'll just see in random parts of the city, and it's like, hey, you, oh my god, hi. <laughs> um, did you go see Ascat and all that stuff? I did, I did, um, but again, like not as much as I would have liked to mostly because like distance and insecurity, you know, it's like, it, it was far away. I'd have to stand in a long line. A lot of people I didn't know. And I was an insecure person in my twenties. So I was like, I can't just stand here in the line and walk in with all these people. Um, I really, I can. Yeah. It's weird. Cause I was, you know, very, I will say competent as an improviser in Chicago. And I worked with all the people were UCB mm-hmm. people. And for some reason, when I came to New York and started doing improv there, my brain didn't work. Like I couldn't. Yeah. And I, but like improv in Chicago and what we were doing and the way the UCB approached it was very different and different from my approach. And I couldn't mm-hmm. click with, I couldn't click. I came from more of a like emotional, make emotional choices and different things. Where yeah. They, operated very on a cerebral level and almost it was yeah. like writing and I it's, couldn't click with, I can write all the, but I couldn't do it improvisationally. Like I couldn't do the calculating. I was like more moment to moment type thing. Yeah. I think I had a similar issue too, that I think would take me out of the performance aspects. And, and in a way that's how you kind of like miss actually like what's good about what's happening. Um, and I did love like, again, the cerebral approach of the Herald. And I think, uh, and it's just like, it's a really fun way to sort of think about something. And like, in my mind too, I've also like tried to think about different ways I could apply that to music. And theoretically, that's sort of like what jazz people do and stuff. It's like, it's not like, it looks like it's magical improvisation, but really it's like, it's structured freedom in a way. So like, there is a sort of silent communication happening. And um, I think sometimes, yeah, I would get, I would, yeah, I would be too in my head rather than just like actually like sort of like, living in the first beat and then seeing, seeing like what would happen from there. But instead you're like, Oh, I got it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When I did the Herald in Chicago or even like the Armando Diaz show, which is basically what ASCAT was, I didn't mm-hmm. have those problems. And I felt like there was more of a different approach that was more organic where I felt like, and I'm not shit talking to UCB, but their, yeah. their whole game thing seemed more mm-hmm. cerebral than responding on an emotional level. I just felt like there was a lot of more like intellectualizing on stage than re- yeah. reacting. And I wanted to sort of react and be more, I don't know, that to me worked more for me. Yeah. Was that boring? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
it's not boring. Cause like, also I think theoretically there's some, both those approaches are like supposed to be sort of saying and doing the same thing, but as like a structure and like teaching it, I think when you break it down to the way, like, um, I think you can approach something sort of emotionally and have it work within like the UCB structure. But I think it's like putting a name to something and making it so about that can also sometimes inhibit you from like actually like just doing it in a way that like, you know how to yeah. do it. Have you yeah. ever heard of Mick Napier and he's he created the annoyance theater in Chicago? Oh no, no. But I have been to the annoyance in New York. Is that still around? Not anymore, probably. Mick is like, uh, to me, was one of the, and he, I improvised with Mick and he directed a bunch of like the biggie shows at Second City that like Tina Fey and Dratch and those people mm-hmm. came out of. Mick was like, his whole attitude was fuck it. And yeah. improv rules are created to uh, give teachers something to talk about. <laughs> and he yeah. was like, it's about being free and having fun. And yeah. everything else is just bullshit. And I feel like, and I learned more from working with that guy than I did anybody. It, and like, just that don't like, it's not so precious. Just fucking go out there and have fun and not give a shit is what it's all about. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I agree. And, and I feel like that's what I, what I needed to do. And I wanted to, to like, yeah, I feel like, yeah, get, ideally I would have been able to like actually exist more in that place. Cause like you can feel it in your natural life kind of when you're in that sort of like flow state and like, you know, like, Oh wow. I'm, you know, actually kind of like engaged in a way and I'm feeling free and fun and like joking around, um, in a way that feels good and natural, but also is like still listening and like processing to the, like, it's not like just a one person show. It's like a collaborative, you know, a good collaborative conversation. Um, and I think it was hard to get there. But the problem is sometimes if you just start there, then people are just going up and they're trying to be funny. And like, I think that's also like, yes. it's like you have to have like, yeah, the grounding and like accepting the reality of the scene or whatever. Yeah. Um, totally. Cause like, yeah, it's like improvising with someone who's like just trying to be funny. You're like, okay, well it like works for a little bit, but then like we don't really have anywhere to go from here. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. ever, do you ever wish to return to it? Um, oh, you know, I don't know if I will ever return to the Triple Crown basement to do an indie improv comedy show. (laughs) But, um, I am, I, I, you know, I would like to, I I feel like I didn't quite necessarily do what I wanted to do with it as a performer. So it would be fun again, like, I don't know, to pick it up, but again, it's like the, you know, the right people, right environment, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I, you know, um, but it's sorry. what I, what would you do a one person show or anything like that? Oh, nothing's off the table. (laughs) That is, um, (laughs) I would enjoy that. I think I've, I've definitely done that for myself in the past. Like Tara used to throw, um, art shows at, at this pizza place, two boots in Williamsburg and like they'd have like people do musical stuff and um for a while I was like the artist in residence there where I would just take a keyboard that had a lot of pre-programmed songs and be like all right name a number and a bpm and then like would make up a song to that pattern or whatever um so or like and I'm saying this all is that I've challenged myself by giving myself some uh, a slot of time to do something by myself and um 
you know, and from and I did a couple of fun, weird stuff at the two boots. So it is sure. Like I said, anything is possible and it is fun to like, have to just like create something to fill a space. that's not necessarily like music or comedy or like a monologue, but just kind of like an interesting performative moment, whatever that may be. So hopefully in the future, I mean, I, yeah, it, I, it's fun because it engages sort of different, different things that I don't normally do. Yeah. I just, I was saying it or asking out of selfish reasons because I find you <laughs> engaging and interesting. And I'm like, I would love to see more of what you do. That's all. Oh, thank you. Well, hey, you think I'm great. You should check out the rest of the band. They're all, they're the, <laughs> It's a, it, what is fun too is like on tour too, like I really don't have to do much because they all are just so um, interesting and charismatic. And I feel like, especially when we like meet new people, it's like they're just like little puppies out of a gate. And I'm just, <laughs> um, just get to watch them run and do their thing. So the band yeah. is, that is like the music is great. Like there's just no arguing the talent that everybody in that band has. But also it is, I don't know, you're, to watch as a whole is very engaging. I watched something, not KEXP. It was a different fucking live. Oh, stream. Audio Tree. Audio Tree, and yes. it's just like I don't know. Y'all is y'all. I've said the Midwesterner. Is <laughs> <laughs> I just there is a some like it's just amazing to me how some bands just come together and every piece fits. And it's like if you remove one, it probably doesn't work. And like the Jesus lizard was that way. They, the drummer left and they put in a new drummer and then the yow was like, it became work. And it's just mm-hmm. interesting how that, I don't know, there's the alchemy of it. Thank you. Yeah. I think we're all, uh, I, I feel really lucky, uh, for like to have our band and our lineup and just have it all be cool, fun people who are all really good at what they do. And I think we also all learned how to fill the space together and because too, like when we started playing these songs, it's like, they weren't really finished, but like I said, like, I'm very confident with like just throwing anything out there and seeing what happens and like listening and responding to that. And I think that approach too really sort of helped us all kind of like congeal together and figure out how we want to sort of fill a space in and feeling like, you know, confident to like all kind of like, you know, lean in and, and do our own little performing thing and, you know, be more of like a five-legged engine. Just yeah, yeah. A set of action figures. Well, is I, like you know, is the goal. I can't wait to see you on Saturday Night Live this year. I can't. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. The paper is going to be writing about it. It's going to be incredible. Uh, They're going to give you the entire last half hour. I heard. They will exactly. That's it. <laughs> they should if they know it's fucking yes. Good for them. The, best performance in history um that's what we're saying into the cosmos last question wait so hold on is matt besser an asshole is he a bad guy i don't like (laughs) besser and i will mm -hmm. tell me sorry i I definitely will not put this in but i have (laughs) but or not i don't give a fuck because i don't give a shit he's a piece of shit he's an asshole (laughs) really here's the thing is like we started out at the same time we fucking in our 20s doing improv olympic or io as they ended up calling it we did fucking the armando diaz theatrical experience 20 years we fucking would be doing shit or in and parties and blah 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 i moved to new york and there'd be days where it'd just be him and i in the fucking ucb theater and the guy couldn't say hi 
couldn't fucking acknowledge my business. And I'm like, you're not that big of a genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut to this. This happens more than a number of times. Yeah. Then I'm at, uh, you know, I see him around New York and he, or uh, L.A. We're at a farmer's market. It's me, my partner, my child, a friend of ours who we also had been doing this for the same Betty Cahill, who was on one season of Saturday Night Live, and her husband is Mike Coleman. All people we've known for fucking decades who've done improvisation together. We, we're we at this farmer's market. His wife comes up to us. and that Daniel was Schneider. Daniel Schneider. <laughs> She's like, hey, hi, blah. We're all saying hi. He stands off to the side. Can't fucking acknowledge three people, well, two people he's known for over 20 years, and my partner who he must have had met at some point multiple times <laughs> and wow. it's just like who the fuck like you can't fucking muster up a hello yeah what's with that dick entitled dick i, I guess yeah so it's like really sort of a sense of entitlement i where that comes from you think if if a guy says he's like the fugazi of comedy or improv yeah. which he has said Mm-hmm. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. I no, mean, like, it is. The, the fucking audacity and ego to s- compare yourself to Ian MacKay. You don't yeah. get to do that. Others can do that, and then you could go, well, but you don't get. You don't get to do. You don't. No one gets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. It, it, it checks out with I feel like the anecdotal things that I've heard about him. I used to listen to his podcast. Um, back in the day, but I haven't listened to it in a while. And that's how I got to hear a lot of like really great up and coming improvisers, which has been nice, but also I'm kind of like, you know, um, I just, does it hurt you to say hello? I I know. I don't know. Do you not? I feel like, yeah, the only thing that I could think that would make someone do that, which doesn't sound like the case here is just like social anxiety or like, you know, some sort of thing like that, but it doesn't sound like that's his issue. Uh, so, I, I, and I have, I know social anxiety very well and I've, but, and you know, and I know what it's like to be painfully whatever, but there's a degree of like when it, when it's a continuous happening. Yeah. And I, I, I get also who wins, like how that doesn't make I got some children screaming outside. Um, uh, that York. doesn't make anyone look like who is that good for? That's like not like that doesn't make you cooler. That doesn't make you like that doesn't add, if anything, it all it does is detract from like your points as a human being. Like I don't understand. Like no one wins when you when you act that way. Like who, who who wins? To me, that mm-hmm. there's a status element to it. Like it's you're mm-hmm. intentionally making a status move for yeah. One. And I've I've like not. I've said to people in my past, like, "Hey, like this era of my life, like if I was ever rude or like I was like it wasn't. I was socially awkward, and I'm sorry. Yeah. It was never intended to be, you know. Or I was lost at that point in time. <laughs> it's like, but mm-hmm. I was. That's what a decent human being does, or or you yeah. try to rectify it. But there was never any like effort and if somebody of status walked into the room or of higher status, yeah. then they got acknowledged. And that's when you're really an asshole. 
Yeah, that's always gross in my mind. Or like, you know, I feel like yeah, I've heard that too, but just different people. And you're like, oh, you don't want you don't want it to be the case. Yeah, and but, he, and I'm sorry if I did get a little go off on it a little bit. Oh no, hey, also, I like, think everything's I, fair. I know he got taken off of a film or a show, TV show, because he was like a real fucking prick to the wardrobe person. Really? And they were like, you don't have that status, dude. (laughs) You don't. Yeah. You have to like, for that type of behavior to even, it's never acceptable, but like, even for like people to be like, okay, fine. It's like, I heard that like, you know, Mick Jagger can act that way, but like, he's really earned it. Like you have to like really, really be high up there to like confidently to have, to be confident about being an asshole, you know? Yeah. And there's a uh, sense of self-protection where you can't, if you're Mick Jagger, you can't invite every person into your world. Yeah. But also mm-hmm. dudes like Wayne Cohen are incredibly gracious and kind to everybody. And it's like, yeah. so why be a dick? Yeah. And you know, I, there's really no reason. Ugh. And I've, had, I've, yeah, I, when I lived in New York, I was around SNL a lot and I was, a lot of my friends who were second city people who got hired, there's the ones who changed and then there's who tried hard to re- remain grounded and gracious. And then there were some who turned into real fucking pricks and it was all, wow. and why I left New York <laughs> was because I was yeah. like, I can't be around these people. Yeah. Well, if it's any consolation, I feel like people who are pricks, they're not having a good time either. Like they're having just as bad as they're making you feel. It's like, it doesn't, it takes bad energy in you to like, yeah. And then just like to live your life being mean to people every day. It's like, it's exhausting. It's, it's, you know, it's not fun. I've tried to be mean. Like you just like, or rude at times when mm-hmm. I was irrit- and like maybe justifiably so, but it's like, it doesn't feel good. I don't want to feel that way. And like, it leaves you thinking about it longer than the other person probably thought about it. Or like anytime that I did something that I was like, not, didn't feel great about. It's like, if anything, like I'm the one who's replaying that. Yeah. Longer than they're like, just being like, well, that person's an asshole. And like, just right going on with their day. I don't know. Eh. Yeah. I, I, it goes back to what you said, like be compa- like just be compassionate and like try to understand and not I don't have time for ugliness. I don't want to carry yeah. that. You yeah. Know? And being at uh, somebody who grew up in a bad childhood and has carried a lot of wounds and whatnot, mm-hmm. I've reacted to things as a means of protection or from fear or whatever from those spaces. And it just doesn't serve anything. Like, yeah. it's like, if you don't carry that, move on. Yeah. Well, good on you for getting past that. You know, that takes a lot of work. That's a big achievement. Thank you. It took No, a yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's... I, yeah, I still apologize to my partner. I'm like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I am stupid sometimes. Not stupid, just like there's shit in there and I'm trying. I don't want it. I try, you know, I want to, I want to get rid of all of it and just be a present in present person and I don't know. Yeah. Not react. Well, what a, not react. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. It's hard to, it's hard to like fight your body like that too. And I don't know, like my, like my second, mar- my third martini quote is always, <laughs> is like, you know, it's like change, like real change isn't actually change. It's like acceptance. It's like, you gotta like first, like accept who you are before, if you actually like 
wanted to change. Like, okay, I am someone who reacts this way. I'm someone who's actually feeling this way. And like by accepting it is like how it can actually kind of like actually start to transform because like the amount of like effort and gas in the tank and like just elbow grease it takes to actually sort of like change something that's that ingrained in you. It like, it just takes so much work. And like, when you try and force something like that, if anything, like it's just meeting the resistance. So it's just like stopping. uh, If you stop like the path of resistance and just kind of be like, okay, cool, fine. This is who I am. Like, I think that's how you can actually transform something by like, understanding your own sort of terms and conditions being like, all right, this is, this is what it is. And this is how I feel like we get layered. Uh, There's this, uh, non-binary trans activist I follow on Instagram, Jeffrey Marsh. And they spoke about like having to put these layers on to hide who they were as a child. And, and like then having to, and I was like, I'm, I'm not non-binary, but I related to that on the sense of like, we all do that. If you grow up yeah. in a certain environment, you have to put on these layers as a means of protection. And I'm like trying to undo those. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but I'm like, everybody is doing that. That's what I think uh, to a great degree, you know, you talk, people mm-hmm. talk about toxic masculinity and like, this is this. Cause I grew up in that, like be fucking tough and did fucking punch him in the yeah. face. And I'm like, as a kid, none of that felt good to me. And I'm like, I don't want to hit anybody, but that's what mm-hmm. everyone told me to do. I would like, even if I was justified, I would get in a fight as a kid and cry. Cause I, I was like, I hurt Aww. somebody. <laughs> yeah. I didn't show it though. You didn't fucking show no. that. <laughs> oh no. But I'm like, is that what we're all doing? Like even mm-hmm. me 53 years ago, late into or 50, you know, I'm like, who, what is layered? What is still my presentation? Yeah. I don't know. Do you relate to that? (laughs) I do. No, no. I I think, and yeah, it's something that everyone's going through just because, uh, I mean, uh, it, even the things that like, quote unquote, I don't know. You can really go. There's like, yeah, the obvious stuff that gets thrown at you, like sort of toxic masculinity and, you know, quote unquote, the patriarchy in which all of us suffer under, especially men, men's rights. No, um, uh, <laughs> I want my, parade. Is, where's my parade, yeah, Lydia? Right, no, but I exactly, uh, I like making a joke. It's technically true. It is Hey, it's about, it's about everyone's rights. Um, but also ugh, don't, again, that's also, that is like weaponized in a gross way that overlooks, you know, the problems that other people are facing. But yes, uh, I mean, like, even if you look at like someone who was raised in an idyllic environment, you, you still can't, escape kind of like the fingerprints that like life puts on you. There's like still something to unpack, even if it looks like it's perfect. Like uh, babies are such a pure little thing that like anything, the moment, you know, everyone talks about birth, the original trauma, but like technically something that it's not wrong to happen to a baby, like bumping its head (laughs) is like, it's a part of life. But even that gets programmed in to someone's, you know, primal code in a way where it's like, Oh no, now that could lead to any sorts of thing that could be unpacked, even though that's like technically like a harmless incident. You know, yeah. It, it, it's just, yeah. It's wild to watch. I'm raising two girls. I don't mm-hmm. know why I said it, but like, you know, I mean, who well, knows? Like, we don't, who knows? Right, right, that's exactly. also where we're, and we, it's like, I don't know, whatever they want. <laughs> we do. We, re, we are right. We never like, 
initiated, you know, mm-hmm. my six-year-old went towards princesses and we we're like, how the fuck did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that's what she wanted. So that's what we were like, that's the way you go. That's the way you go. But it's wild to start seeing when they start interacting and like all the fucking gender and like the way boys and like the beauty, all that fucking shit stuff. And you're just like, no, like we're, I'm like holding on, like, how do we get to, <laughs> thankfully my yeah. partner is very smart and, but it's like, you know, it's just like, fuck, it's like, it's a battle. It's a battle to keep that shit out. Like kids making fun of her cause she wore a truck, a shirt, a dress with trucks on it. And they like, you can't like trucks. And it's like, I told her, tell the kid to fuck off. Like literally I was like, tell him to fuck exactly. off. <laughs> <laughs> But I hate it. It makes me, and no one at the school like monitors that. It's like, yeah. it's like the teacher should say like, fuck you. <laughs> I know. Well, it's tough too, because we live in a world too, where someone would be like, why the fuck are you wearing that? And it's like your job to be like, fuck off. You know, like you can't always control the things you have to interact with. And like, there's not always great stuff you can interact with, but like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, we all we all gotta. I don't know. I have to learn. I don't. Kids are interesting too, though, because it is like you are sort of seeing like the foundation of like our emotional development, and it's just boiled down to like not like sort of simple terms. But I don't know. I've got uh, I've got nibblings, um, which is the gender neutral plural term for nieces and nephews. Um, <laughs> and, I know, but uh, and my so yeah, it's it's fun to watch them like again the things that upset them and how they react and self-soothe and stuff like that in like such a small sort of context and sort of understanding how that kind of like spirals out into how we develop our ways of dealing with conflict and navigating the world i don't know yeah we have a friend who kid wants to wear dresses and it's Mm -hmm. and you know you can't it's this conflict of like do we let them wear a dress to school when everyone's going to yes. be? Oh yeah. But I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, so, so many people are like, what, what is like, and it's, I'm like, still, yeah. we're still like, this is still yeah. a thing, but it's like mm-hmm. so adverse, even yeah. in liberal fucking LA, California. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that also too, like, if, like I can understand that parent reaction to does come from like wanting to protect your child. And uh, uh, yeah. And like the, uh, raising a child is like pretty much just like gradually increasing their tolerance for like the outside world, which none of us have control over. And yeah. you can, anything can happen out there. And so I understand too, like the need of like wanting to be able to control and like protect your child from like anything that could harm them, which you should do and you do. Um, but you know, it'll get to a phase when, you know, we're all just, we're just out there and there's no one to like, kind of, we're all going to have to learn to deal with everything eventually. And I think it was, it's like a, when you take a goldfish home from the store and you have to put it in the water. So like, it's like, that's what kind of we do with, with our children is to slowly let them. I like that. uh, Warm up the environment, but it's also not like, trying to turn your goldfish into a beta fish is like, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, the uh, uh, whole, yeah. I've, I've always like anybody who wants to be the alpha in situations. I'm like, yeah, enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Fucking like to me, I'm like, I don't want that. Like I, I yeah. want that fucking responsibility. That's mm-hmm. awful. 
Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Enjoy your kingship, fucking idiot. <laughs> I guess some people like it. I don't know. You know? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's what I liked about improv and or I like the ensemble of and let's do this yeah. together is how I like everything. It's like I don't have any all the answers and neither do you. And just yeah. because you pretend you do doesn't mean you do. I started reading, yeah, I started reading one book about like women who lead, um, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, and, and that is like that, that actually that ideology one of like collaboration and like trying to bring people together is what makes a great leader, not necessarily like the iron fist. It's like someone who is able to guide people to empower themselves and like contribute to something and like making everyone feel sort of seen and heard Yeah, is well also, you know, being able to like, and sometimes having an opinion too is like helpful too. Cause it's like something that people can sort of bounce off against where it's like, if everything's cool. Then like nothing gets done. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading a book about crazy horse that mm-hmm. Larry McMurtry wrote. And like a lot of the indigenous tribes were very like the whole concept of chief, which this blew my mind, like chief when they were like, we we're having meetings with the chief that was imposed on, by the colonialists because they were wow. like, like a lot of them were like, we don't have a leader. <laughs> like it yeah. was very like, and like everyone would wander off and like crazy horse would wander off and do his own thing. And then he'd come back and then he'd go hang out with other tribes. And it was like crazy to me. It was just like how the whole Elizabethan Puritan fucking has fucked all of us. <laughs> oh, it has. Oh, colonialism. Boo. We're oh. all still screwed over from all of that. It's, it's, it's funny. And, yeah. Yeah. And once you start lay, like, like when I read the Crazy Horse book, I was just like, "This is, it's so like, what it was with the white European men? We're like, we're right, we got it, we got this, we got everything. Like it's just so fucking. It, it, what's crazy too? The one thing I read is when they were taking over the Dakotas, the colonialists, they called it progress, and I was like, "Oh, that's gentrification." <laughs> it's like they yeah. still use the same words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No bad. A lot of bad stuff. We did spread it out <laughs> across across this stolen land of ours. <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, yeah. I don't want to be a white guy. Well, you are though, and that's the thing. <laughs> no, it is. I know. And then, oh, that also doesn't make you any of the problems go away. You know, it's no. like again, like we all we don't have a choice how and who we're born, as I've said before. But it's like, yeah, what do you? What do you? You can't, you know, it's what you do about it. Thankfully, know? my ancestors are Irish and they came over here late, so I can technically, my That's karma's still, clear. They, uh, sure, I don't know. My friend was saying that to you the other day, and I'm like, that doesn't, that no. doesn't change, that doesn't change anything. No. Because we're all, because we're all right now living at this moment, and, you know, it doesn't, yeah, human is, it's all a shared human history. Yeah. Are you Of our species. Um, a little bit. I just figured. Not as much as you would think. Yeah, not more Italian than Irish. But, you know, like I said, a, a lot of dead colonizers. Some who came here recently, some who came here long ago. More, more importantly, um, what Brooklyn pizza do you enjoy? Oh, okay. I love Brooklyn pizza. pizza. There's this place in my neighborhood called Londa Street. And when it started out, it was just this couple 
and they made, I ordered a pizza from there once and then they opened the lid when I went to go pick it up. Like it was a bottle of wine to like present it to me. Um, and now they've like expanded out into like a whole huge scale operation, but they make beautiful pizza and it's been fun to watch them grow. Um, so that's like, if you're in my neighborhood, I'm like, Oh yeah, you want a nice slice. <laughs> we take you along the street. So that's, that's good pizza. Um, yeah. And then other than that, like, I really can't discriminate. Like pretty much every slice is a good slice. Even like, even the dollar slice has like, it's like do- the dominoes of New York in my mind. Cause they all have like kind of the same taste and texture to it. That's close enough to pizza, but is oddly comforting in a way too, when you want something that's like not quite a slice slice, but it's like a slice. <laughs> yeah. I ate, so I think I ate pizza every day when I lived there. And I just, cause yeah. I was like always on the go and I was just like, fuck, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm walking 10 miles a day. I might as well eat pizza. <laughs> exactly. It's great. It's portable. Especially if you've like, yeah, you're busy. Uh, yeah. No, when I, I when I, I was yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I worked at the lead company, I would have like one to two dollar slices for lunch a day and then, you know, go back in. And then one time I dropped, well, one time I dropped one of them on the ground and I went in to go buy another one and he just gave me one. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. And then he said, you're and then he paused. He said, you're one of my favorite customers. And I liked that he was being honest because um, he didn't even want to put that into the universe that I could be his favorite. Um, but it was it was nice to know that I was one of the favorites. See, that was the other thing that irked me is that my when I lived in New York, my friends, they wanted, it was the UCB and McManus. That's all we did mm-hmm. is go to between those oh, two. Oh, yeah. And I was like, McManus was like exactly like the bar we hung out in Chicago. I was like, we're in fucking New York. Why are we going to this bar? <laughs> Those are the rules. Yeah. And it drove me, but, and I was like, I want to go to Brooklyn. I want to go eat pizza. And like, I would have like, uh, I miss- it's very easy to get trapped in that block. What I've heard from the UCB. I've only got to McManus a couple of times, but yeah, it feels like a New York place. Too. It's fun, but that's also fun in New York too, because it's like, you don't go to places like that all the time. You know, it's like, I liked it. Like a straight up dive. Yeah, I like and I grew up in dive. My grandfather owned bars in Chicago, so it's like I my it's in my genetics and I, yeah. probably why I was able to hold a lot uh-huh. of liquor in my <laughs> I could really fucking drink. Good for you. What did you like to drink? Uh it varied, but I liked I don't know. I mean, I was always like beer obviously. How, Classic, but like wine, whiskey, bourbon, but like towards mm-hmm. I quit drinking a year and a half ago just because I was like a friend of mine, also Irish, drank himself to death, and I was like, you know, I could be yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, That's, it happened. But yeah. I was getting really into like tequila and making and uh, sazeracs. I liked making sazeracs. Ooh. Nice, those are good. And I know it's kind of cliche, especially. But like old fashions, I liked. Those are great. My father drinks old fashions. Yeah. Uh, Harry Nilsson drank Brandy Alexander's every night, and that's why really he probably had a heart attack. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I thought. Oh no, I was confusing with Todd Rundgren. Yeah, Harry Nilsson's dead. We lost him. He died in like ninety two. Well, that's on me. Um, okay. He's Too one bad. of my all-time favorites, so I, he's that, great. That voice, yeah. Um, 
Okay, we talked for two hours and 11 We minutes. did. I'm sorry. <laughs> All no, right. I, I would keep going. I just feel like you probably have things to do, and someday we'll get a coffee in a big white cup, and we'll really do this right. That'll be great. Absolutely. Um, I hope I get to see you live. I regret I haven't seen And especially at the Troubadour, which is a magical place. I know. It was fun to play a place with, like, so much history. And it's a real L.A. place, Yeah, you know? One of the first places, I think it's the first place Lenny Bruce got arrested for obscenity. <gasps> oh, that's fun. That's I great. I performed there once in a blackout. Wow. Between, now that's... Yeah. In between bands. That's a show. There was a picture of me somebody took. I wish I still had it, but I like got a whiskey cradled in my arm. And a, uh-huh. And I, the next day I woke up, it was my birthday too. Next day I woke up and I was like, oh, that was embarrassing. And people were like, you were great. You just made fun of people. <laughs> it's like, right. but I, it still wasn't what I would like to have done at the Troubadour. But what's great is that people thought it was great, even if you didn't. You know, you got to take that. I think take I that token with you. Made fun of the band that played before me, which was not nice. But in my defense, they were very. I'm not my thing. It was not nice to do. It wasn't nice to do. Well, who knows? Also, sometimes, like again, it's a form of flattery too. You know, we all, everyone loves a good little roast. So yeah, maybe. I don't, I, but I don't think I'm a malicious person, so I probably wasn't being mean. Like, I would never do something yeah. to be mean, because I that's no. gross to me. Yeah, I agree. I try. We do our best. That's all we can ask this world, Lydia, is we do our best. It's actually, and what you do is your best at any given moment. <laughs> it's true. True. We all, we all act the best of our capabilities at the time. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> this episode, if you give a fuck, will be out one week from Thursday, this Thursday. Wow. Your social I, media will be tagged on it at least. Thank you. I will probably repost. I've been a very bad social media manager lately. Your band has a Discord, which is the first band I've seen to have a Discord. We do. It's because the other people run the Discord. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is, or like, or it's good. Tara and Brom are stream on Twitch a lot. And it's just helpful for people who aren't on Instagram to have like, you know, uh, a, a place to get information and like, you know, people like talking to each other. So that's good. It's smart. I'm, I don't know, like TikTok. I'm like, I, I'm just, I was on TikTok and then I was like, I'm not, I got enough. I can't, I can't take it. I, yeah. Excuse me. I'm, well, and it's one of those things where you can like engage with it or you don't have to. Like I said, I'm still... Um, coming around to the more public aspect of Gustav. Um, but it, the rest, but Tara and Rom, you know, they, they pretty much do that for their other jobs and everyone gets in on the fun. So it's, it's good. Well, you go and I'd be your brilliant self throughout the day. Thank you. You too. Uh-huh.